Many Bothans died to bring us this information. everybody to this week's episode of The The Bothan Bothan Breakdown. Breakdown. And you might have already noticed, but it sounds a little different this week because we are in the car. We are currently driving to Denver, Colorado. Uh, Today is April 8th. Tomorrow is Easter Sunday, so we're going to spend it with my family up in Denver. Uh, But last night we actually finished season two of The Bad Batch. And... It was so late and we were emotionally drained that we just did not record. So we're going to record it today because we want to get to you guys and want to tell you what we think, as well as get to some really exciting Star Wars news that dropped so, so recently. And we only have one microphone, so we're going to be switching from me and Megan. So whenever Megan has a thought, you won't really be able to hear me. Whenever I have a thought, you won't really be able to hear her. So it's going to be a little different. And we're in the car, so that ambience is just a bit weird. But... We appreciate you guys sticking it out with us, and we're really excited to have this fun little on-the-road episode of Botham Breakdown. Are you excited, Megan? Just the most excited. Yes. Let's start off with, uh, we. by the way, we're being very safe. I am operating the microphone. Megan is the one driving. Megan, is there any Star Wars news you want to kick off with or any thoughts you want to have before we get into the episode? Well, Alex... There's so much Star Wars news. Let me tell you why. Because the yesterday, and perhaps the day before, or maybe even today, uh, Star Wars Celebration is currently happening. So we are getting announcements out the wazoo. We're getting um, new posters, new trailers, new, new stuff we've never even heard of. All right? So we're going to jump right in and get this ball rolling. All right? So what should we start with? Let's start with my personal... Uh, favorite, I think, at this point, the Acolyte. We've talked a bit about this one before, but we got an official announcement for it, including its confirmed release in 2024. It's not more specific than that at this point, but we know for sure it's coming to us next year. Um, We got the lead character on stage, and I always forget his name, and I apologize. I don't want to butcher it. But it's the lead character from Squid Game. So you all know his face. Uh, As well as Amanda Steinberg. Steinberg. She looks sick. She was decked out in this sick, almost Leia-esque in episode five kind of vibe. Very cool. Very fun. Um, And I believe they brought some other cast members up on stage. We're just talking about it, having a good time. Unfortunately, since I was not there, I am not privy to the content of their actual conversations. Um, but that's that's our announcement. It's it's just been, it's been officially announced. We have the official logo with like the, the font, I guess, and everything, like the title of it finalized, which looks sick. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's much else to say about- There's a couple other things that were announced. I'll no, take no, them. I meant about Acolyte. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Do you have anything to add about the Acolyte? No, ma'am. Okay. Well, no, there's plenty other. In addition, Ahsoka. All right. We've been talking about Ahsoka a bit as well. We got an official release time of August 2023. 
So it's coming this summer, super exciting. We got the first poster, which looks sick. It's like this up close photo of her face and she looks so intense and just like sick. But most importantly, we got our first trailer for Ahsoka. Alex, have you seen it yet? I have started it and I have not finished it because I typically never watch a full trailer for anything that I want to watch unless I'm forced to at the theaters because I just want to go in blind. Okay, I, I hear you because I'm like that often. But with these, I'm so, I'm so stoked to see the trailer. So I watched it the day it came out. I woke up actually in bed and just glanced at my Instagram. And then I was like, <gasps> Star Wars Celebration. Oh my gosh. And then I was just bombarded with so many announcements and posts and clips and photos. It was amazing. Anyway, so I watched it as soon as I could. And it is just so, so exciting for me as a Rebels fan. I love Rebels. I actually have not yet finished it. I know, I'm sorry. But even with what I've seen, I've seen about half of the show. There's four seasons. I've watched about two. It is so, so sick and underappreciated. All right, now if you do not know, we have known for a while that Ahsoka will be kind of centered post-Rebels in the continued hunt for Grand Admiral Thrawn who's the blue face man, if you're not familiar with his name. You might have seen him. Um, but we get Sabine, we get Hera, we get Ezra, and Chopper. I don't know yet about Kanan or Zeb, because um, once again, I, I, I'm not quite sure what the status of the crew is at the end of Rebels. But I got to, I, we knew who the actors were and actresses. We discussed that an episode or two ago, actually, when they officially announced it. Um, but just being able to see them, getting little glimpses of it, was so, so exciting. It was so sick. Sabine looks so cool. And I actually saw today, I believe, or yesterday, I saw a side-by-side -side comparison of the opening shot of the first Ahsoka trailer. And it is a, like, shot-for-shot shot recreation in live action of the last shot of Rebels, of the entire series, with Sabine, like, sitting on the tower in Lothal, and, like, there are three, like, plane or crew, not planes, um, ships, sorry, ships, like, flying. Anyway, but it's, like, this perfect recreation of it, so I think they're trying to at least set up the stage of, like, we're flowing straight from this into the Ahsoka plot. Um, so that was super cool, super exciting. And, you know, I, I think it did a pretty good job of not revealing too much about the show itself, like details. It just kind of kept it to the action. We all knew that it was about Ahsoka trying to find Thrawn. So they do announce that in the, in the trailer. But I guess if you've been keeping up with it at all, you already knew that. So it didn't feel like it was a spoiler at all. Um, but yeah, we just see some sick, like, action shots. We see Hera freaking in the pilot seat where she belongs. She looks sick. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Alex, you can comment on it. I know I've been rambling a bit, but I'm so stoked. No, this is going to be a show that I just give Megan free reign to just exist as the Star Wars lover that she is. I really do. I really am excited about it. I think I, the, from what I saw from the trailer, it looks really slick. Rosaria Dawson is just really, really, really good casting, I think, for adult Ahsoka. I think I'm really excited to see that. 
And yeah, I don't really have anything else to add as far as Ahsoka goes. We can move on to other shows unless you have anything else you'd like um, to say. We did get a confirmation at Celebration because it was a bit ambiguous prior to Celebration, at least on my end. And we had even discussed this a bit last episode, I believe, if not the episode before, that it was a bit ambiguous who the actor was for Thrawn. There were some people saying it was going to be the voice actor who is taking the mantle on live action, similar to Bo-Katan's character. But then there were some other sources saying it was other actors. And for some reason, I at least couldn't find a confirmed source of who it was at the time. However, it has been confirmed. It's Lars Mikkelsen, who does play the voice of Thrawn in the animated series in Rebels, which I love when they do that. It is so cool because the continuity, I think, of that character just flows so much more because it sounds like the character. It's like everything you've known them as voice-wise, which characterizes so much of who they are, is the same. And they- I agree. And by the way, not to cut you off, but Lars Mikkelsen's brother, Mads Mikkelsen, is uh, Jyn Erso's dad. A little shout out to that. Anyway, you probably already knew that. Megan, please back. I did know that, yes. Um, but yeah, so that has been confirmed. It may have been confirmed before and I just couldn't find it. But that is very exciting to me as well. It's, I think Thrawn's gonna be a really cool enemy, villain figure. I don't know quite as much as I would like to. So I wanna try and finish Rebels. And I also have some of the Thrawn books that I wanna dive into. But anyway, I'm just very excited. I think it'll be a very fun, I think it'll be a very fun show. I think honestly, it's been a bit clouded in my brain compared to some of these other shows that I feel a bit more excited about just because some of them seem to be offering something new. For example, The Acolyte is a bit of a new era with some new characters and that kind of just excites me to change it up. But I think having now seen visually these characters that I'm already so in love with and invested in and I know so much more about who they are and where they came from and that has kind of re-sparked the excitement for me for Ahsoka because I just I care, I care so much already like you don't even need to start the show and I'm like yeah I'm invested because it's like a direct well I don't know quite how direct but it's a continuation of a lot of the plot of Rebels so I'm like you're this is like a shout out to all the OG fans who actually committed and watched Rebels and realized how good of a show it was so I'm so excited. I think that's all that I can recall from Ahsoka um, in terms of announcements. But I don't know. Do you have anything else to add, Alex? In terms of uh, Ahsoka? No, I do not. I can, I can go through some of the other announcements and I, I might be able to hit on it since you're driving. Um, a couple things. We got an exciting look at Andor Season 2. Uh, we got uh, basically a short teaser was shown. It was an in-room only with glimpses of just some of the main characters with some intense action. We weren't there, so we can't speak it. We can't speak anything to that, but that was exciting. Uh, in the Acolyte, it's been confirmed that we're getting our first Wookiee Jedi Master in live action, which is really sweet. Uh, we have um, a very exciting and we'll probably talk about this just a little bit but exciting three star wars films are now on the way they're in production or pre-production currently one of them is going to be like way back at the beginning of jedi jedi dumb it's like actually, it's actually i looked this up just for clarification sake they did release a whole new timeline with all the new eras added to it um 
and I was looking at it and I, as we all know, am a huge fan of the High Republic and that comes way before the prequels. But before the High Republic is the Old Republic, which is referencing like the, some of the old like video games online. There was Knights of the Old Republic, whatever. But then there was a new era added before the Old Republic, which this is very new. I was like, what is this? It's the dawn of the Jedi. And I believe um, Dave Filoni being one of the directors announced for one of the new three new standalone Star Wars films is going to take place in the era of the dawn of the Jedi. So specifically, there are three movies that will be taken on. The <laughs> big loud car just passed us. Three movies have been confirmed. James Mangold, uh, who directed Logan and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, he is going to be taking the dawn of the Jedi film, telling the tale of like the first Jedi to wield the force. Uh, Dave Filoni, our boy, yeah. is going to direct a movie that pulls together several threads from the recent Disney Plus series. So... Ah. The stuff, his bread and butter, basically. Yeah. Ahsoka, Mandalorian, all this stuff. I'm guessing it's going to have a big, just tie together moment, almost Infinity War Endgame level, just like Dave Filoni movie on these series. And then lastly, there is going to be a, there's a, there's a director, Obeyed Chinoy, who directed Miss Marvel and Saving Face. Apparently he is going to be having a movie set 15 years after Rise of Skywalker centered around rebuilding the Jedi Order and the powers that rise to tear it down. So those three movies, they're spanning the past, the present, and the future, things we haven't seen in the Star Wars universe before. We also have got a confirmation that Daisy Ridley will be returning to reprise the role as Rey uh, in that 15 years later movie. Uh, which I never had a problem with her acting. I just had a problem with the character. Excited to see how she's grown and developed over these 15 years. Yeah, I agree. I'm. Alex asked me the other day when they announced Ray, almost like with this nervousness of like, how, oh no, what are you thinking about Ray coming back? Because unfortunately, Alex and I really both did not vibe with her character. Once again, not as a dig to Daisy Ridley. She did so well with that character. We just didn't like the writing. We, did, we didn't like the direction, like the script and the story took her. And that was just a bit of a shame. But now I feel like there's an opportunity for her character to be a bit redeemed, maybe add a bit more like depth to her, add a bit more. Flaws, I think is the biggest thing. Yeah, no, I agree. So I am, I am optimistic. I'm hopeful that they're able to take her character who has, I think a lot of potential but gives her a story that I think makes me actually like her a lot and feel endeared to her and root for her. Um, so yeah, that's about all we know, but it is exciting. I would assume Rey is one of the people kind of starting the Jedi Order again, kind of in the foots of Luke. Um, but yeah, I also, I'm sorry I did misspeak about um, Dave Filoni doing the Dawn of the Jedi. Thank you for correcting me. I flipped that. Dave Filoni will be much more suited to doing this TV show cumulative, like, yeah. So I'm very excited about that. I, if Dave Filoni makes something, I will trust it. Kind of inherently. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So, so yeah, I'm very, I'm very stoked for all of this new stuff, all this new content. I am so excited for Andor season two. However, I think they showed us the least amount 
I think that was the most exclusive, like you have to be in the room to get the announcement kind of vibe. But you know, part of me is like, I don't really care. I'm still, I'm still here for it. Yeah, I'm excited to see it when it comes out. And lastly, this isn't like, well, not lastly, I don't know if you have any other thoughts, Megan, but Star Wars, not Star Wars related, but we also got the final trailer for the Indiana Jones movie. We got a full trailer for that, uh, which is Lucasfilm, but it is not Disney. It's not Star Wars. So I thought that was worth mentioning, but this is a Star Wars podcast. Let's get back to the Star Wars. Megan, do you have any concluding thoughts on newsworthy things before I jump into the this day in Star Wars history? Um, I don't believe so. We're, we're probably missing a lot. We're, we left a lot out because of the celebration being so chock full of announcement after announcement after announcement. But those are the most noteworthy in terms of what we remember and what we've seen. Yeah, I will say uh, I just remembered they did also announce a second season of Tales of the Jedi, which I actually forgot about. We haven't watched that's totally on us. I want to watch it so badly, primarily just to see um, Dooku. But we're, we're not even there yet. However, it was clearly good enough to make a second season. So that's exciting if you liked the first season of Tales of the Jedi. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. Okay, cool. Let's move on to this day in Star Wars history. I have a banger for you guys today. Today in Star Wars history in 2015, the comic Darth Vader number 4 was released. Man, well, I think I just missed it by one day because yesterday, I think, was the official day back in the 1970s that uh, Luke's character was cast uh, as Mark Hamill uh, on this day in Star Wars history. I think that that was yesterday, but today's today's uh, little fact is less cool than that. Uh, okay, cool. Let's move into uh, kind of the meat of our episode. Um, do you want to do a controversial question? I, I haven't thought of one. Um, we could just do, just tell me what project you're most excited for, you know, that has been announced. What what announcement excited you most? I'm going to say the announcement that excited me the most is the Dawn of the Jedi uh, movie, honestly. I think that's a really rich part of Star Wars history that has not been canonized, and I'm excited to see what they do with it. What about you? I think that's a really good one, but I think I'm actually really excited for Dave Filoni's film. I, I'm just such a sucker for all of the shows. And I know for some people it may be overwhelming to watch a movie knowing that you have to be able to like come in with the knowledge of like six or seven different TV shows to really follow along well. So I see that downside, but for me, the person who has watched everything and read so much, like who's so into it, I think it is the most fun it's the most fun form of like experiencing media when you have so many different like crossovers and Easter eggs and people from different shows who like cross paths. So I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but I think that will be so, so fun for me. I agree. I think that's going to be great. And actually follow up controversial question that I just thought of getting into our Bad Batch wrap up for season two. If you had to choose one member of the Bad Batch, including everybody that we saw basically in Clone Wars, if you could take like a snapshot of the team. One member will fight alongside you and the rest of the members will try and kill you. Who are you picking and why? While you think on that, I have my answer. My answer would be, it wouldn't be Hunter. It wouldn't be Wrecker, though I love him. It wouldn't be Omega, I'll tell you that. Um, so it's either between Crosshair and Tech. 
and I am and Echo. Oh my bad. Uh, I am also not going to choose Echo. Respect on his name, but I will not be choosing Echo. Uh, I'm going to choose Crosshair because I think that combat-wise, I think he posed a pretty massive threat to all four of them, and uh, I think he. I think I trust him to shoot people very well. And he's not a bad tactician either. Uh, as far as like if he was in an environment where tech could actually hack some stuff and do some crazy tech stuff, I'm probably going to get bodied. But overall, Crosshair has my vote. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so it's just who, who would I choose to fight the rest of the Bad Batch? Like you and this other member are fighting for okay. your lives and the rest of the Bad Batch are trying their best to kill you. Okay. Well, in that scenario, I would, I would, I would give nothing. I would add nothing. So for me, in my brain, it's just who would verse the rest of them. And if you don't choose right, you might get zapped. Yeah. Okay. That's true. Um, but no, I also think I might choose Crosshair. I think he, he's like the most finessed in his craft. And his is also, well, I want to be hesitant to say that. I, I think Tech, Tech is one of my favorite Bad Batch members in general, just, just so you know. But Crosshair combat wise, he's very like refined. He has a lot of just straight up skill and precision in it, in his shooting, all right, obviously, but also in like the gear that he has to utilize his shooting for the best, like that one shot, the one episode where he uses a bunch of those little mini mirror like reflectors. So I think he also has a lot of smarts, a lot of brain. Um, Whereas, I mean, everyone else is super sick too, but yeah, I think I would, I, I would utilize him most. Cool. Less of a controversial conversation today, but an interesting one. Uh, we are now entering spoiler territory for the entire Bad Batch season two. Yesterday, Megan and I, we watched eight episodes of the Bad Batch yesterday. We sat on our couch. Technically, we actually pulled out our guest bed into the living room and just made a day of it. We just watched eight full episodes of this show. So we were really invested. The spoilers from here on out, you've been warned. Megan, I'm going to give you the first foot on this discussion and wrap up of this. We've concluded the news. We've concluded all our segments. This is what we're zeroing in on today. What are your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts are that the last time we talked about the Bad Batch, I was not feeling great about it. Season two lost a lot of momentum, I think, in the middle. But it definitely did pick up its pace in near the end. And I think all of the loose threads got tied up very nicely um, to the point where having now finished the season, I can look back on it and say I did enjoy it. And it was worth the watch. And I, I really enjoyed it. I still don't think it compares to the first season. The first season, I'll keep saying it. It was such a beautiful capsule of a story of like, we think Crosshair's not saved and like he's being, you know, controlled by the inhibitor chip and this whole time we're trying to save him and then turns out he's not. Like, that's just such a perfect, cool story. It was so cool. Anyway, um, but they finally were able to get some depth going, get some storylines going that I actually cared about, that I actually felt invested in, um, that by the end, I was weeping. Not weeping, that's a bit dramatic, but full on crying. I was definitely full on crying. Um, 
that's my general overview now of, of, of season two. There were definitely some episodes that I would completely skip over. Felt like filler, even if it was just to demonstrate some character growth. I, I found it still kind of boring, <laughs> the character growth. But I think ultimately the episodes that did contribute to the story and like the overall arcs that I'm invested in, those were still definitely worth the watch. So what's your overview, Alex? My overview is similar. Um, I really couldn't care less about some of the episodes in the season. Uh, they felt filler. I mean, there were 16 episodes, so not all of them are going to hit. Um, but yeah, the last, the last half, particularly like the last four or five episodes really ramped up in a way that I found very enjoyable and heartbreaking at the very end specifically. Uh, we got this scary Dr. Man that I thought was a really cool villain. I didn't really connect with like the earlier season, the earlier portion of season two where that admiral was like trying to hide like from killing Camino and all this stuff. Like he was fine. I didn't find him super imposing. This new Dr. character they introduced in the last like quarter of the season was really imposing. Scary dude. Um, has some pretty crazy um, experiments, and that's always freaky to have a doctor that loves bad experiments. Um, we see some compelling crosshair moments that really made it special, and him trying to actually defend the Bad Batch against the doctor, which showed his he's not just this evil dude. He actually still cares about the kid and cares about the team. Uh, and then last of all, the final stake through the heart of seeing uh, tech give up his life to save the rest of the Bad Batch. His final line, like, when were we ever supposed to, when, when have we ever followed orders? And then cutting the cable, like, oh my gosh. It was such a tearjerker. And yeah, that was tough. That was tough to walk through. Yeah, no, I agree. That, that if it wasn't clear already, that is what I was full on crying about. Because like I said, even earlier, Tech had really grown on me. I had always loved Tech. I think his sense of humor connected most with my own sense of humor. Yeah, not to cut you off, but literally every maybe 10 minutes, Megan would look over me and be like, I'm tech. Oh my gosh, I'm literally tech. Oh my gosh, ha ha ha. Tech, 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 tech. And then at the very end, she looks over and she's like, what have I been freaking saying? Like, tech is literally my favorite and he's now zonked. Yeah, of course. I mean, look, he was the best one. We can't even deny it. So are we surprised that he made the ultimate sacrifice? No, because he's amazing. He's great. Ugh, but it was so hard to watch. I swear, it was brutal. Especially, look, I even, a small part of me almost knew, I think, when they were leaving, um, like, their safe planet that Fee lived on. Pabu. Pabu. or something. Um, when they were leaving, and they'd been kind of sh demonstrating some small hints of Tech and Fee kind of being a little interest, you know, interested in each other, vibing a bit. You could see it from Fee's end, and Tech is, like, in denial and emotionally just completely numb. But they had this scene. All right. They had this scene where they were all getting on the ship to go on this final mission because Echo came back and asked for their help and all this stuff. And they're the last two who haven't boarded the ship. And she's all like, you you about to leave without saying goodbye to me, brown eyes? And he's all like, yes, yes, I was. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, but it was like they focused 
that scene was almost too specific that when it was over, I didn't even say anything, but I was like, bruh, that sounds like a goodbye that is gonna be the last one. I knew it, but I didn't accept it. And it was, ugh, it was still just so brutal. It was so brutal. And I think it made the stakes of the entire show feel a lot more visceral, a lot more intense. Whereas I think in the first half, it just didn't feel like there were any stakes in the show. So yeah, that, that killed it. That killed me. Killed. And guess what? And guess what? You know who's the worst character in the entire show? Sid. Sid proved herself to be, probably is going to be the most hated character in all of Star Wars now. And maybe I'm overreacting, but um, after Tech dies, they're on, uh, what is the planet that they always go? Ord Mantell. And literally because they're like trying to heal up because Wrecker's neck is in a cast and Omega got zonked. And so they're all like healing up basically and trying not to die on Ord Mantell. And Sid, bro, for no apparent reason other than, oh, your presence is bringing heat to my place of business, sells them out to the Empire and the Doctor. So at the end, they aren't able to track the doctor's ship to find Crosshair because that was their whole reason of going on that dumb mission was to find Crosshair because they saw he cared about the team and he, they were like, maybe we can go get him. And he's in trouble with this doctor guy. It looks like he is trying to leave the Empire. We got to go save our brother, our brother. So they go, they they actually put the tracker on the doctor's ship, but old Saw Gerrera, as much as I love him, blows everything up. So that doesn't do anything. Tech dies. They go back to Ord Mantell they're nursing their wounds, unable to track Crosshair. And then for no reason, Sid calls Empire on him and they lose Omega. And so now our Bad Batch, our beloved Bad Batch, are chilling just Wrecker and Hunter. And Echo is, Echo's still there. Okay, Echo's still there. And they're at this point where they're like, okay, there's, we're, we're three members down basically and we're, we gotta get her back. And we don't have any idea where the doctor's at. So the stakes have been raised. Congratulations, Bad Batch production team. I'm actually really excited about season three because I don't know how they're gonna get her back. I don't know how they're gonna get Crosshair back. I'm sure it's gonna be a really impactful reunion yeah. with Crosshair being in the same place Omega is as well. Um, but so we have a lot to look forward to, but a lot to mourn as well. Yeah, no, I agree. How about let's go through and just list some of our highlights to try and get a bit more of a cumulative. Like right now we're just like talking about random things. Let's just try and walk through a bit and talk about the things that really stood out. So allow me to start, for example. Um, I think this happened in the, the first in the order that we're discussing. The arc of Crosshair. So the episode where it jumps fully to him. We don't like see anything about the, the Bad Batch. Um, and he is on that mission with this awful freaking lieutenant. He, he literally, you can even ask Alex, I was so irritated watching that episode because he was the worst human being, like, ugh, ever. Anyway, um, I think it was so interesting and so well done to see Crosshair in this scenario where he's with these other clones who are loyal to the Empire. They're doing what they need to do, but they're also kind of slowly chipping away at Crosshair and revealing to him how the Empire actually does suck. 
you know? Because at this point, I think season one painted Crosshair as, like, this bad guy. He's just mean. But I think what this episode showed us is a different perspective of, like, he just actually thought the Empire was right. And he was so for that end that he, you know, he was coming for the Bad Batch because he just thought that the Jedi were bad. He believed them. So it wasn't so much like I'm choosing to believe them even though I don't think they're right because I I just want to like rule. It was genuinely just like he just thought he was doing what the correct thing was. And he was kind of nasty about it, but that's just his character. But anyway, so, so to see now this perspective shift of like him objectively observing the Empire and seeing how they actually don't care for the clones at all like he thought they did when he chose to follow them. And they're, oh my gosh, the fact that the lieutenant like didn't care at all that these clones were dying, actively did die, sent them to their deaths, and then Crosshair like risks his life to bring back Mayday after this suicide mission that the lieutenant sends them on, when he easily could have left him there, which one already shows this, this degree of compassion, he still does have four soldiers he's fighting with, and he comes to the lieutenant and is like, you need to get him medical help. Like, he's not going to make it. Like, I literally just walked through this snowstorm to bring Mayday to you. And the lieutenant is a piece of absolute garbage and just watches him die and lets him die and gives Crosshair so much sass. And Crosshair, oh, this moment, bro. Crosshair straight up just stands up and shoots this lieutenant down. I was like, absolutely. ab. Absolutely. So I think that episode was the primary episode where we saw Crosshair completely change. So like the development I think that we're getting from his character is so compelling. And I think having had a whole season to kind of invest in this character, that's why I think I I connected so much with it. I was like, because I'm already so invested and I appreciate that they're not just continuing to throw random new arcs into the storyline, but like continuing to flesh out the ones we've already seen. Anyway, that was one of my favorite episodes. I thought just seeing his growth was so, so, so good. Your thoughts, Alex? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That was a solid episode. Definitely artistically, it was like even really impressive. Like the ice vultures, like right as soon as um, Mayday died and like Crosshair's coming to this realization that the Empire sucks, basically. There's like this... Um, ice vulture that like soars overhead and like this music beat and like he's got this cool theme and there's even this like I don't know there's it was just a really good episode really enjoyed it and I was impressed by it that was my favorite episode I think of the it was either that or um yeah it was just one of my favorite episodes of what we watched yesterday definitely um, cause it showed a lot of Crosshair's development and shows how he is now basically against the Empire trying to zip out, trying to, maybe not even trying to get back to the Bad Batch, but just trying to not work for the Empire anymore. I appreciate that. And that's what the whole season really has been working towards as far as Crosshair is concerned. So really enjoyed that. I think a highlight for me was, even though the episode was kind of mid, uh, the mining episode, uh, where they were mining like iridium and like they got their ship stolen and all this stuff. I really enjoyed Tech and uh, Omega bonding and like kind of making peace after talking about Echo and how he left and stuff like that. I thought that was solid. And 
triple bonus. Loved seeing Spider-Man PS4's voice actor uh, as one of the main characters of that episode. That really made my day. Really oh, loved it. That was actually the next episode. Spider-Man. On Spider-Man didn't come in on the in the like. I'm counting them as I'm counting them as like a package. Like it's the Iridium planet. There's the mining. You're 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 entirely correct. It's two episodes, um, and yeah, thought it was solid. That that was my only. I think I also really enjoyed seeing Tarkin again, and the Doctor was really threatening. I already said that, and yeah, the emotional giveaway of the very end. Those are those are just my highlights. I don't really have anything else. Yeah. Um, I just want to shout out one other. This is more of an Easter egg moment. This wasn't really contributing to the Bad Batch story at all, but. The little Dr. Krennic cameo? Director Krennic. Director Krennic, I'm sorry. That was so fun, all right? Cause it, and I was literally just saying this, but I think it's so fun when you see characters from other works of the same, of works of media from the same world, literally mixing in and out. Anyway, so that was so Couldn't fun. Couldn't agree more. And especially cause Kra- uh, Kraken, sorry, <laughs> Tarkin. Uh, you know, he moved on from the scary, foreboding doctor that we're dealing with in this, you know, in this show at this summit meeting. Um, but then he just switches his attention over to his right. And they show this little clip of a man that I didn't even stop to recognize him at first. Because it was like three seconds, maybe. And then he says, Director Krennic, do you want to give us an update on like Project Operation Stardust? And I was like, stop it. Stop it, you dirty dog. Uh, I just thought that was so fun because it also just reminds you and grounds you in the world in that like the arc of Rogue One has begun. Whether it's like early on when they're they're just stealing like kidnapped Galen or so in there. Like wherever it is in that timeline, you're like, this is this is all the same world. It's the same people doing the same things to different people and we're seeing it from different perspectives. That was just so fun to see personally. Yeah, I agree. Super awesome. Those are all the highlights I think I have covered. Any highlights rest from you? Um, this one's not so much a highlight, but I think this is a cool element to discuss. And that is the very, very ending of the entire season. So Omega's been kidnapped by Hemlock. What was his name? Yeah, it was Hemlock. Dr. Hemlock. Okay, yeah, Dr. Hemlock. And... This is a bit, this wasn't my original point, but I just, I also want to say I appreciate how they're continuing to dig into, um, like, Nala Say and her character and, like, the whole arc of the science experiments and all these suspicious, sketchy things. And I like how we're finally seeing more definitive, um, elements that are like the Emperor's cloning project. All right, so we're finally, Dave Filoni is finally doing the repair work that was done in the new trilogy when they're like, somehow Palpatine returned and they didn't answer it at all. And whether that was intentional or they're genuinely doing repair work, I don't care. But I just appreciate seeing some more of those elements that are, I think, very key to the entire arc of Star Wars. and so we're just seeing some more like actual discussion about that. Cause I feel like there have been hints in the first season. There were hints in Mandalorian season one and two with uh, Dr. Pershing. And 
So they've been like hinting at it and we're finally just being like, yes, this is what we're talking about. The emperor's cloning experiments. So I'm excited to see some more answers about that, what that looks like, what he's actually trying to do, all that fun stuff. Um, but anyway, the very, very ending when Omega gets kidnapped and that kind like doctor who was kind of trying to be this faux kind of nice to Crosshair and she's like, just like cooperate and, and he won't hurt you. And anyway, at the very end, she reveals to Omega, she's like, why do you like trust him and you don't trust me? And she's like, I don't, I, I don't know you woman. Very fair response. Thank you, Omega. And she's like, I'm your sister. And we're like, wait, what? And then it just kind of ends. It just kind of ends there. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I I don't know, man. I'm just going to wait. I don't, I don't, there's no need to theorize. I know they're going to give me the answers. There's better things to think on. Specifically, actually putting energy towards watching Mandalorian season two. That's a very fair point. I would agree. I'm not quite sure what it means. Of course, you subconsciously start thinking about what the heck it's supposed to mean. But... Yeah, I just I don't think we have enough to go on to be able to actually theorize accurately what it means. I think it's supposed to be a cliffhanger that we don't know. Yeah. So, but that was interesting. And I did not expect that. So they're clearly I don't know. I won't even go I I don't know. But um, but yeah, that was very interesting. Indeed. Okay, uh, if you have no more thoughts, I think now is a good time to wrap up. What do you think? I think I agree. Okay, well, I'm Alex. And I'm Megan. And this has been The The Bothin Bothin Breakdown Breakdown. from our car driving to Denver for Easter. Yep, see you guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye.